welcome to Rock Paper Swords, the historical action and adventure podcast. My name is Matthew Harfey. And my name is Stephen A. Mackay. We're both best-selling historical fiction authors, and together we chat about all things historical and anything that could fall under the banner of action and adventure in books, film, TV and games. Oh, and we also talk about rock music from time to time. Today's guest is an author based in Kildare, Ireland. He completed a law degree in Liverpool University before embarking on a career in the insurance industry. It sounds uh, riveting. <laughs> After many years working in the UK and Ireland, he decided to follow his dreams and wrote his debut novel, Viking Blood and Blade. After smashing into the independently published historical fiction scene in 2021, he had his second series picked up by a publisher and went on to win the prestigious Kindle Storyteller Award in 2022. Welcome to Rock, Paper, Swords, Peter Gibbons. Hello, Peter. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller kind of situation, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's great it's to a have football you. football phone in there, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So first things first, I've got to say congratulations on um, the last couple of years. Um, I think it's only been about two years since you published your first book. If that, it seems yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It seems longer. Yeah, and I, I can't remember anyone in this sort of small community of historical fiction, um, action and adventure books that we all write, landing with a bigger splash than you on the scene. Um so how how long was Viking Blood and Blade? By the way, nice title. Um, how long was it in the works before you decided to self-publish it? Uh, probably a, a long time. It was it was one of those things. And thanks for your kind words, by the way, very much appreciated. But it was it was one of those things. I'm sure it was the same for you guys. Where I'd been mulling over writing a book probably my whole life, and uh, like that, I would. My career was kind of, I was a executive for insurance company. I used to do a lot of traveling around the world and that kind of thing. And whenever I was traveling or exercising or doing anything, I would always be going over the kind of plot for this book. And But when you're not a writer, you think you can never be a writer. So it was always a bit of an idea for a book, but I never thought I'd actually sit down and do it. And I'd written snippets over the years, as, as probably a lot of aspiring authors do. We never done anything with it, you know. Uh, but eventually I, I pulled it all together. The, the main catalyst was I, was I figured out because I was never I'm never aware of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. I never knew it was a thing. I always assumed that you wrote your book and you sent it off to agents and, mm-hmm. and blah yeah. blah blah. So when when I first wrote the manuscript, I, I I did that and obviously got loads of knockbacks and most 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 of them don't even reply at all. Exactly, right? it's depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it's depressing. Yeah. yeah, so I just kind of ignored it and carried on. But then I, I stumbled across self publishing. I think it was on. Uh, there's a lot of content about it on YouTube and stuff like that. And I found out about it then and, and decided to pursue that. So I did my best to kind of kick kick the book into some sort of shape, but never for one second thought that uh, any anything more than a handful of people would would would, would read it. You know. Um, and they did. I, I put it. I uploaded it. Got got the cover made for it. Um, spent spent a bit of time making sure that was right and it, it fitted with the genre. Kind of uploaded it and uh, went off with the lads. My son's doing. I can't remember what we were training or playing a match, football match or something. And came back and was astonished by how many people had actually already downloaded it. And again, and I think when you're in your day to day life, you don't fully appreciate the power of the internet and the, and the power yeah. of Amazon. And, you yeah. know, people are buying your book in, in 
America and all over the UK and it's kind of mind-blowing but yeah it just kind of so it was kind of rambling a bit there but back to your original question I'd, I'd been formulating the story for a long time but it was more as you do in your own head thinking wouldn't this be a cool idea and maybe there should be a battle here and maybe it should be the siege of York and you just and then in the end I just took the plunge and and, and wrote the thing and went on so from that there was, you know. That was the first thing that you'd ever written had you never written like short stories or anything now? Nothing, nothing no yeah. written lots of uh, emails for work and uh, boring papers exciting. about insurance and stuff like that but nothing uh nothing anybody outside that world would want to read but no I, <laughs> I've, I've always been a huge fan though of uh fiction uh been a, uh, probably the same as you guys huge reader obviously a, a huge fan of film and tv as well uh, so I always love a good story and that's mm -hmm. very much what I aimed for with the book was something that would be I don't know what the right phrase is, but Indiana Jonesy type fair that's just like adventure as opposed to kind of hard, uh, hard. You know, I'm not was never trying to be kind of a Hilary Mantel kind of as great as yeah. Wolf Hall is and all those kind of books. I was very much opting more for the kind of adventure side of it. You know? Yeah, something we, you want to we read call yourself. it. Yeah, we call it action and adventure. You know, historical yeah. fiction, action and adventure. I think that's the the sort of the, the the niche within the genre. As you say, this historical fiction is such a broad. Thing. It covers, you know, Hilary Mantel, literary fiction and all sorts of things. And then you've got, you know, bodice rippers and all sorts of romance and yeah. it's, it's, it covers everything. And then, it, then you, you know, you've got the sort of stuff that we write, which is hopefully historically accurate, but exciting and action packed. And, and it's more about the story and in the setting than it is just um, yeah, the art form of. Exactly. And I, I think without, without the, without self-publishing being a thing, I don't think, I think, you know, I would have got those knockbacks from the uh, the agents, and, and that would have been the end of it. I just would have put yeah. it in a drawer somewhere, you know. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Both the same. Yeah, I think I was going to say that. I think that um, that chimes really similarly with with my thing as well with my background. I, I started writing my ages and ages before self publishing was a thing, and it's only when self publishing became a real viable option that I found out about Kindle and everything. I was like, oh, hang on a minute, I can I can do this. And and then I, you know, and as like you went through the process of trying to get an agent, do all this stuff, and then eventually just thought, man, I'm no, it's not going to get published. I'm going to self-publish it myself. And so that was exactly lesson to same. anyone. Yeah, lesson to anyone listening. It's yeah, obviously yeah. not changed. It's interesting. That I was ten years ago, and yeah. you're two years ago. So in all that time, the scene hasn't particularly changed, and people still eventually end up on Amazon, and realise they can actually do really well. And, yeah you, yeah, you can. I think I think people have got to understand. No, I think I don't know what what it was like uh, what it was like back in the day, but certainly now there are certain things you've got to be aware of. So yeah, to just upload the thing would, is is a little bit now. You you need to be aware of all the different ins and outs of it: categories, keywords, your front cover, your blurb on the back. You need to be aware of, of stuff like that. You know your uh, metadata and all those different bits and pieces. So for anybody who's listening who is aspiring to kind of get their first book uploaded, it's worth spending a little bit of time familiarising yourselves with those concepts and making sure that when you, you you launch your book that it's set up set up for success, you know. Do you have any, like I know Mark Dawson has got those kind of books available and online courses and stuff like that. Yeah. So do you have anything in particular that you would recommend for stuff like that? Uh, Mark Dawson's course is good. Yeah, yeah the self-publishing formula is good. I think there's there's loads of content on on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. You can get you can pick up stuff from a lot of the guys who do um, low content books and stuff like that. I I think certainly 
there's different tools you can get as well. I don't know if you guys use Publisher Rocket or anything like that, but you can use things like that to get a good handle on keywords and categories. All right. Yeah. Um, but it's important to make sure that you're like, for example, you can choose your your eight. I think it's eight or ten keywords when you load your book up. And on your categories, you can be in up to ten categories for each book, for ebook, hardback, and paperback. So you need to make sure that you have all that stuff right, so that you're featuring it in all the possible searches and yeah, you've got ads. And, yeah. So, so, the, so did the, you did you before you well you started and it seemed to be your your first book came out and it was like a, a, a an instant success almost. It seemed like from looking on from you know outside mm. seeing your your book pop up on on you know on amazon where it says you know other people have also bought this i'm like who's this guy you know never heard of this guy and it's suddenly like you, you got one book there and then it's like a couple of weeks later it's like he's got two books out there. what yeah. the hell and it's like everyone's reading his books but um so did you do any of these courses or did you do anything specific to get your book out there did you do loads of paid ads or anything like that no i i, I do paid ads now at, at the start i was kind of fortuitous i think uh, but I, I did spend a lot of time kind of researching those bits and pieces, but I'm sure everybody does. I think I, I think I kind of got lucky in that it was a popular genre, and I think I got lucky with the cover. The cover, uh, and that, I think the fact that you've got Viking in the title yeah. as well, because we've noticed that one of our episodes with uh, Tim Hodkinson put Viking in the title of that, and it's easily one of the highest uh, rated episodes. I think probably just the name Viking does it. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's it's funny because some of the knockbacks I got from agents initially were saying there's no market yeah, for exactly. Vikings, yeah. but Brilliant. obviously there is. And I think, <laughs> do, do you know, and, and like that, I, I some of the metadata on there would have like your names, for example, and different bits and pieces. And that all helps with search and all of that. But I, I think a lot of it was luck. And I think people do have a huge interest in Vikings. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's an exciting genre. I think it's a, you know, people are still have always been excited by by Viking adventures. So I think there was a bit of luck, yeah. and then like that, I think an, another important factor is when you're self-publishing is you have to keep on top of the frequency of your releases. You've got to try and get a book mm-hmm. out and kind of uh, soon enough following on from each other to go because you know yourself, you the Amazon dip, yeah, there's you, a wave, so you, yeah, yeah, you get a boost and then it dips, and so yeah. if you've got your other book coming out, then you get another crest of that mm-hmm. wave, you know. Definitely. Okay, yes. That's interesting. It's interesting you said you didn't do paid ads to start with because I was the same. When I started, I thought I was working full-time and I thought, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. I don't want to spend any money. Yeah. And, you know, I'd be reading things. And they'd be like going, to get a professional editor, it will cost you, you know, £2,000 yeah. or something. And then do these ads. I'm thinking, I'm not spending thousands of pounds. And I'd read stories, you know, speak to people that have spent literally thousands of pounds getting their books edited and put together and the cover done. And I'm thinking, man, I'm not doing that. So you yeah. get it out there. And then yeah, you start making a bit of money. Yeah. I think, okay, well, now I've made a few hundred pounds. Now I can yeah. totally. invest. But also yeah. trying to explain it to your wife, and it's like, you're spending a couple of hundred quid on what? And you're coming out of your bank. Yeah. When you do the tax return at the end of the year, and you read the Facebook ads amount, and you go, Jesus, how much have I spent? Yeah. These Facebook ads, thousands? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, oh, isn't it? But I, I think now when you're kind of full, full tilt going at it, the ads is all part of it, right? But at the start, yeah. like you say, when you don't know if ten people are going to buy your book or not, spending a lot of money on on covers and uh, mm-hmm. and editors and stuff like that is a bit is a bit beyond the pale. But then when you get going and you see a bit of success, it's worth worth yeah. investing in that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, Absolutely, I think investing in your success once you're going it makes perfect sense. But yeah, that initial there's that initial sort of fear, and I think I, I you know I'd caution people 
um, with their initial book, if they're going to self-publish, like you say, and like like we did really, um, to do your absolute best to get it out there and to um, to do the research. But I would advise not to spend too much money because you'd see lots of people come in and, and don't succeed you know so if you if you're in a situation where you invest three thousand pounds in your first book and then it only makes 50 quid you're gonna feel pretty upset about it i'd imagine yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. but there's there there is a huge market out there for uh for the genre right for yeah. that kind of yeah what, what would yeah. you call yeah, it stuff. early medieval viking adventure type mm. type thing and i think there always will be hopefully hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah hopefully so, so um, you self-published at the start then and you did really, really well. So why did you decide to go with a publisher, Boldwood Books, for the second series? And how have you found it working with a publisher? Because I'm similar to you. I've just signed with a publisher, Canelo, as well. And I'm actually finding it really, really stressful. They've they've sent the edit notes. And when you're self-publishing, you've you know, you've all the time in the world to go through this stuff. But when the publisher sends you the edit notes and says, we need this back within like a month or something, I'm finding it really, there's a lot of pressure to be under compared to self-publishing. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And um, it was a difficult decision at, at the time. I think what, what sealed it was that I, I could continue to self-publish. So it yeah. wasn't a deal where I had to give over everything I'd written. I kind of liked what, what, the, what the guys at Baldwood were saying and what they were doing because they're a digital first publisher, much I think like, uh, like yeah, the guys that was, publish yourselves saying, are. Yeah. And I was I was re- I was lucky early on in that um, what what you find in the author community is that people are really nice and really helpful. And I got some good advice that M- Matthew was an absolute gentleman to me when I was first starting out, and uh, really helpful giving giving advice on, on on things like that. And I very much appreciated it. But I think with Boldwood, what I liked about it was when you're self publishing. You get your certain amount of royalties from from Amazon, right? Which is which is a good level, right, mm-hmm. of, of royalty. Yeah. And obviously, it's a little bit less from the publisher, but you don't have the cost. You don't have the marketing cost. You don't have the effort you've got to put into ads and all the different bits and pieces. Plus, the guys there are really experienced, and the editors there have been successful in the genre in the past. So it it, it kind of worked. And I'd I'd been thinking about going wide before. And what what that means for anybody who's listening is when you self publish, you can do so just on Amazon. And be in all their different programs like their select program in Kindle Unlimited, or you can go publish, self-publish on Amazon and different providers like Kobo and all these different things. But I'd only ever been on Amazon, and I often wondered about going wide. And mm. the publisher provides that. Uh, plus, it kind of diversifies your risk to a certain extent in terms of the future. Because what happens if what happens if Amazon is no more in yeah. ten years' time? You know, so I think it's it's probably wise to have a foot in both camps if you can uh, but yeah it, it kind of felt right at the time it's been going really well like that it is challenging when you get your structural edits back and some things have got to change but sometimes that that's good right because the guys know what they're doing and you kind of have yeah, to believe in yeah. that you know i'm sure it'll make the book better but it's still like oh no how am i going to do this it's yeah it's, it's daunting and it's it's a lot of pressure it, it is the, the, the first book i published with bobble went okay the, the edits were fine but the more the re- one mm-hmm. that i'm kind of finishing off now i had to change quite a bit so i ended up taking out and i was listening to your uh last podcast there with the chap you had on the um uh from the rock band and he was kind of oh, talking about how does it work with yeah with publishers mm-hmm. and so i had I had the word count was kind of just about where it needed to be but i actually cut out three chapters right in the right. edit so it was way below 
but like that when you go through and you sharpen it up the kind of word count comes up again but uh, but I like working with the guys at, at Baldwood. They're great. They kind of they are digital first, and they do well with the audio books as well. So so, so far so good. It's been brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, lots of the people that 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 the people that set up Baldwood are people that lots of them that came from um, Aria from Head of Zeus, and they were my um, editor. Um, yeah. Caroline Ridding was my editor, and then moved on there. Um, to Boldwood and stuff and so for a while it looked like I was in between choosing to continue with Head of Zeus or move over to Boldwood but they literally just started and they have sort of had a chat with them and at that time I couldn't I'd, I'd sort of already been talking to 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 Head of Zeus and I thought I'll stick with what you know the people I, I know or the, the company I know but um, yeah I think you're in you're in safe hands. Yeah and, and it, it, it's been great and um, they've been easy to deal with but like that Stephen very much like you say it's different when um, all of a sudden you've got to hit a deadline right and you've got to you've got to make changes and follow edits and but look it's um like i say it's nice to have a, a foot in both camps yeah, both, right it's yeah. nice to yeah that's actually one thing i i missed that I, I i ended up selling basically the rights to um to all of the stuff that i'd already published and when i moved over to to aria and i it would be nice to have a few books that were completely mine you know, I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't sort of given you, up, not given away, but you know, I but you can't, completely. you can't just self-publish something, can you, Matthew? I can't, I can't self-publish something now. Well, like, yeah, um, but I mean, could you just write a book right now and just self-publish it? Or would I, the publisher have first dibs on it, kind of? Thing? They've got first, they've got first yeah, dibs, but I could reject, I, mean. I could reject them. Um, right. But obviously, you're in a situation there when it becomes a bit fraught because. Mm -hmm. If I want to continue working with them, the only reason I could see for doing that would be if I wasn't happy with working with them. You know, it's quite difficult to to sort yeah. of pull the, to say, well, I'm going to spend a, I don't know, six months writing a book. I'm going to self publish it, but I'm not going to give it. You know, I'll offer it to you, but then I'll reject you. But then the next book I write, I want to go back and you to publish yeah. it again. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be awkward. an awkward conversation. So, right. yeah, and it, it, it's are. funny. Yeah. Like I, I wrote a historical and historical fantasy book. Yeah, and I, I self-published that as well, but it's it's completely different to the that's the Viking Egyptian series. one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's kind of set in like uh, it's a bit. <laughs> the plot is probably a bit mad actually. So it's set. It starts off in kind of ancient Persia, and uh, the idea of it is is that, that that you've got kind of this this group of uh, warriors who are kind of locked in this kind of eternal battle against good and evil, and they're immortal and they die and are resurrected. But the idea is is that they're resurrected in different key points in history. So it kind of starts right. off in ancient right. Persia, then ancient Greece. But the idea is that, it, you know, then it will go to Rome in the future and stuff like that. That reminds me of it. It will go to Rome anyway. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Dan Davis. Reminds me of Dan Davis's book. Ben Bova has a series oh, well, uh, about a, a guy called Orion. And right. he, it sounds very similar. It goes through time. Just, oh, I remember reading those years. I didn't remember. They were really good. Ben Bova. Yeah. Well, I remember the one about the Battle of Jericho, and he explains how things happen, doesn't he? Where different things happen. I've not read that one, but I read a couple, and I thought they were great. Same, same kind of idea as yours. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of struggling for like uh, I let the the publisher wanted to a bit like you, but like you say, Matthew, they they had wanted to first look at anything I write, but they they didn't like it. It's probably a little bit wacky, a bit wacky <laughs> maybe, but I self published it anyway, and uh, it's out there, but. It's, it's like that, it's having that freedom to do what you want, isn't it? But it, it, it's interesting that, uh, and I'd listened to a, one of your podcasts before, and I can't remember who the, the guest was, but you were talking about genre hopping 
or whether to keep your own name. Well, that was Stephen, a, Stephen Savile. Stephen Savile, yeah. Yeah, or to use a pseudonym, but I decided to keep my own name. Uh, and I think readers were confused. Right, okay, so that's you, interesting. You get people who, who want to see kind of axes and Vikings and warships, and all of a sudden it's it, it's different and people people don't like it. About you know? so, uh... Yeah. So it's it's an interesting one anyway. Mm-hmm. To think about. I was going to find Stephen Savile's pseudonym because he's just released a book, so we should. Probably oh, yeah, I think he's got about ten different ones. All that's. Yeah, yeah he's that's just released. A, he's just literally released a book like last week or the last two weeks um, under the name Nick Curran. So his new book has come out. It's called "I Know Who You Are." I know who you were. By Nick Curran is the book. So mm-hmm. there's nothing on it that you know that, that says it's Stephen Savile, but it's kind of yeah, but it is him. And maybe I missed a trick because you could give yourself kind of a cool, a cool, cool name, name, couldn't you? Cool name. backstory. You know. Well, yeah. one of the things I, I, I was ribbing him about online was that um, he got a review in the Daily Mail or something. He said, oh, a great debut book, you know, from this debut novelist. Yeah. And I said, what, well, debut novelist? Years. Like his 40th novel or something. <laughs> yeah. So Cheap. Yeah, a bit, a bit much. Anyway, moving on. Um, so the biggest news recently for you um, in the, the recent past, I think, was that um, you won the amazing Kindle Storyteller Award, um, which was was huge. Um, so how did that come about and how did you hear about it? And tell us a bit about that. So, yeah, the, the way the Kindle Storyteller works is if, if you kind of sell publishing through Amazon and you release your if you have a release kind of during this, I think it's between March and uh August or something like that, you can enter your book into the Kindle Storyteller Award, right? So all you'd need to do, and I'd seen it uh, advertised on Amazon, and all you need to do to enter is put a uh, Kindle Storyteller in as one of your keywords, you know, when you set up your, right, uh, your okay. book. So I did, and I, I kind of put the, just put it in as one of the keywords and, and forgot about it. Obviously, it's a huge <laughs> prize, but I, I was also aware that most of the winners are kind of um, romance or... Uh, uh, detective novels or thrillers that kind of thing you know so I entered it anyway and I kind of left it and it was the the fourth book the fourth book in in the Viking Blood and Blade series called King of War anyway a few months later I uh, got an email and then a phone call from Amazon to say the book had been shortlisted and I was completely surprised mm. and I was kind of up, up against what you might think I was up against which is romance books and detectives and, and thrillers but anyway shortlisted went, went got invited to the ceremony at the houses of parliament in london which was which was unreal went to that didn't think i was going to win so i went with my wife and we had a few pints on the day before we were supposed to go to the award <laughs> as you do in london uh, nice. rocked up at the kind of houses of parliament and went through the bits and pieces and, and lo and behold the book won and i couldn't believe it and i, I think it won because the, the panel was so surprised to read something with like you know fellas with one eye and you know axes flying yeah. around and there's there's a big scene in the book which is the battle of uh, and forgive me now if this pronunciation is terrible battle of Hafersfjord in Norway which is like King Harold Fairhair and all that and you know it kind of the battle it's like a like a land battle at sea with on, across yes. different decks yeah. and I think they were surprised by the adventure of it you know uh, so it, it won and it, and, and, and it was brilliant and one of the judges was um was a guy Adam Kay who's got a TV series now and he writes books about uh, doctors and he's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. being a doctor. Yeah, Adam. and the judges were really nice about the book and they 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 enjoyed it, which I was really surprised about. So yeah, I won the award and it was great. And as part of the 
it's part of the prize. You get support then, ongoing support from Amazon. So they did a few different bits and pieces, some editorials to help push the book, uh, some uh, interviews. Like next week, I'm going to London Book Fair as a guest. I'm doing like a panel discussion with them. I did that. I did that years ago. Uh, eight yes. years ago, I did it. Yeah, I saw you said that. Yeah, and what? Wh- how did you find it? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, I mean, they put me up in this really nice hotel, uh, and then I was nervous, you know, sitting in front of all these people. And it was only, I think it was, I don't want to put out one book. The second one came out the day of the, the book fair, I think. But it, it was the experience of a lifetime. I mean, a bit like you winning the, the award. I didn't get an award at the end of it, but it kind of felt like I did because it was just so different from my usual life, you know? You're definitely I've been, to London, I've been to London Book Fair as a, just as a, an attendee wandering around. Yeah, just as a player. Yeah, I, went, well, I went to meet my agent when I had an agent back in the day. Um, and that was a whole nother thing because I'd gone especially to meet the agent because I hadn't met him face to face and he'd been my agent for a year or two and um, he got me tickets and everything. I went along. It's amazing, you know, walking around the huge, but I went to some of those talks that you say that like the panel things yeah. and seeing people talking there or hosted by Amazon or whatever. And it was, it was good, you know, um, going around looking at all the different stalls. Anyway, go to the allotted time to go and see my agent and to get a message from him saying actually done his back in and he didn't, he didn't go. <laughs> so I still didn't meet him. It still was like another year until I met him eventually. I, I started to think he wasn't a real person, but um, anyway, but Why I did get to go. I've been a couple of times. It's, it's a really, it's a really nice experience just going to the um to the fair is, is yeah. interesting enough, but getting to talk there and meet other people like in yeah, the people, other panel stuff would be great. The Amazon people, well, you've met some of them probably already, like Darren and and that they're yeah. all really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what they said to me was because uh, I was nervous, I don't remember if it was Darren that said one of them said to me, Why are you nervous? You know, people are here to see you, you're like the rock star. And That's, it's stuck yeah. in my head ever since. It was basically like uh, they are here. I remember they want to hear me talking and stuff. And it, I remember Justin Hill, um, the writer, great writer, um, really nice guy. Met him at what the first time I did a, a speaking gig as well, like you, Stephen. And I was on a panel with him actually, and loads. It was like Harry Sidebottom, um, Justin Hill, um, Simon Scarrow, me, and Douglas Jackson. Yeah. So we're all on this panel, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? One book out. I was yeah, and I was really yes. bricking it. And I and and afterwards, I said to him because I met up with him like I saw him later at dinner or whatever. And I said, "Oh, I'm so, I was so nervous." He, and he said exactly the same. He said, "Why, why be nervous?" He says, "Look, all the people that are here for this for this event, they're here to see you know you 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 got what they want. These are aspiring writers that want to. You're there. It's, you're the rock star. You know. I think, it, wow, it's yeah, a funny okay. thing though, isn't it? It's <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. I, I think you always feel like you kind of you're bluffing and you're not kind of, and you get that in any job, right? You're up talking in front of people and you're trying to speak with authority, but in the back of your mind, you kind of yourself is <laughs> nagging at you that you don't know what you're talking about and you're going to expose Absolutely. yourself as a fraud kind of thing. It's, you know? It depends who you're on the panel with. Cause I did one in yeah. Glasgow with LJ Ross, you know, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah. I've sold X amount of books. LJ Ross probably sells that in a year or a month. Uh, but you know, it's, it's you'll enjoy it you'll definitely enjoy it that's really good fun yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it and it, it, it was good to win I think for, for the genre I think when you look yeah, at Amazon like, there's, a, there's a huge amount of historical fiction books there so there's a huge amount of interest but I don't think yet we've been able to harness as authors that the full mm-hmm. power of the readership like they do in romance and thriller like LJ Ross and all those guys for example yeah. have huge kind of 
Facebook groups and, you know, and they Mm, generate a huge following that way. Uh, Whereas you don't really see that that much in our genre, right? It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. There's three of us here. We should create a Facebook group about Vikings and early medieval or something. Yeah. You're definitely right though, Peter. I mean, it's inspiring for, because I have entered that competition myself. If I've got a book out around about that time, but I never ever thought it would win unless it was like the first book in a series. So it's inspiring to see you win it for historical fiction, but it's also good to know that the fourth book in a series or whatever can win the award as yeah. well. So yeah, you're definitely you've inspired us. So good on you. Yeah, that's that's definitely not just for that award, just for other awards as well. Just to think that a fourth book in a series could win an yeah. award is interesting. I find that you know quite you, you think if the you know how how would how would that work? But you know, great. Yeah, and I, I, what 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 the, the the first three books I wrote in the series kind of ran on from each other and I was kind of thinking afterwards you know if you hadn't if you hadn't read the first or the second book the third you probably because you know you you know yourself when you're kind of starting out you're you're learning as you go you're not coming into this thing as kind of a a seasoned professional so but when I sat down to write book four I wanted it to be same characters the ones who'd survived or whatever but a completely new a new adventure that can stand on its own and try and do that now for each Mm -hmm. book so that yeah each one you can read other than the first three, you can read them kind of independently of each other. Um, but yeah, I, I think they were just so surprised because the rest of the panel was kind of cozy romance yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And then you've got a bit of blood and blood and guts to liven things up nice. a bit, you know. Brilliant. So a question about, I mean, you said that these things are happening as a result of that, um, of the, the award, obviously your book's doing really well. Um, are you now a full-time writer or are you still working? You- yeah, I am. Yeah. So I quit my, uh, quit my job there in November. I had to do the mm-hmm. kind of three months notice. <laughs> so I finished funny. at the end of January. Yeah. So I'm living in fear every day now trying to write that, as many words as possible so that children don't starve. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's it. Yeah. Us, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you know that the terrible fear of the unwritten page yeah. now. And you know that the, when you, the month I quit, you know, the, royalty statement was looking healthy and the next month afterwards it's like waiting for it to land with fear to see what it's going to be in <laughs> there you know yeah, checking, the, checking the amazon report every 30 seconds to see what the sales yeah. had been i remember not- the first year after i went full time the, the sales were not as good as the year <laughs> before and i was just like oh no you know what have i done what have i done but, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's okay but it's, it's, yeah it's 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 uh going from being like i've always been a kind of paye employee climbing the kind of corporate ladder so to move away from that to doing something creative every day is kind of it's weird but you try and try i try and approach it like you would your working day so you know get up and check every make sure everything's okay online and then get the kids ready and get them off and then they start work at nine and trying to have yeah and again i was listening to what you guys were saying in the last podcast and it was kind of resonating with me trying to be disciplined but it's funny when you're when you're trying to do something creative there's days isn't there where you can sit down and the stuff flows Mm -hmm. and there's other days where it's not like uh in your nine to five where you have to respond to emails or attend meetings or whatever when you're creative you kind of need that spark and some days are are easier than others like there's days where 1500 words is is tough and there's days where 3000 words just comes out and it's Mm -hmm. like it's like magic. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Really, to, I think it's like, a, I think it's it, your, our brains, the creativity in our brains is like a sponge. 
and it fills up. And I think you have one of those good days. I've noticed I've had a really good day, 3,000 words. Like yesterday, I wrote 2,800 words. It didn't really feel difficult. It's like your, your brain's been squeezed dry. And today I sat down, I sort of looked over what I'd wrote, written the day before. And then today it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I, so I did write, but but in the end, I like, got 1,800 words and it was a, a slog today yeah. it felt much more difficult in sort of dribs and drabs and half an hour I here think and also the being creative if you're doing a nine-to-five job you can do it no matter what frame of mind you're in really it just kind of comes out but if you're being creative and you've sat down and you've started writing you maybe get 100 words and then something happens like i don't know if we're talking sake of balcom's in or something or the garage phones up to say there's a problem with your MOT, it can throw you right out of that creative mind space because then all you're thinking about is this, oh no, the yeah. MOT. Or, you know, just something silly like that that's not even that important, but it can just completely throw you off and it maybe take three or four hours to get back into that mind space again. Yeah. Or you, you, you're trying to plan out an assault on a fortress, but knowing that there's a there's an Asda or a Tesco delivery coming in half an hour. Aye, that's tr- <laughs> aye, you're just waiting, you're watching yeah. out the window. Aye. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or you be, or what's interesting now because you're at home all the time is like uh, uh, being asked to do things. You know, you're at home. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you? Pick, it's not pick a job up? now. No, yeah, it's not a real job. You're so just you could easily now. easily paint that bedroom. You're in the house all yeah. day anyway, doing nothing. You're there so anyway. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Why, why can't like... you just pop to the shops and buy the the shopping? And why can't uh, yeah. you do this? Why can't, why can't you, do you go and get some shake and vac before lunchtime? Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. You're trying to write 3,000 words. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? We've all had that. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's so rock and roll. <laughs> but look, I, we're, we're complaining, but we're, uh, I certainly feel incredibly lucky, right, to be, doing, to be doing what I love to be doing. And if I could go back and tell myself when I was on and R and about mm-hmm. self-publishing the first, but what it would lead to, I'd, I'd have done it quicker, you know? Yeah, um, I think we've all got that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hey. You can't, you can't, one of the things I often write about in my books is how characters sort of look at the past, but you can never go back. You know, you can never go back and redo. You yeah. can only move forward Fine. and do the best you can moving on. So, yeah, we all learn that. Um, so, speaking Brothers of, of which, the, yeah, speaking of which, looking to the future, um, Brothers of the Sword is your next book coming out in August. Uh, after that, what's next? So, have you got, you know, you're getting more fantasy, more Vikings? I think if people, if, if people start buying fantasy books, maybe more fantasy. I, I love mm-hmm. I love fantasy, right? I love historical fiction and fantasy. And in, in my head, melding the two together was kind of mm-hmm. like the perfect thing, but it's not achieved. But the, a bit like what we said before about the way Amazon works is I released that in kind of January, February, and then haven't released another one since. So if I'm going to be serious about that, I need to get another one out. So... But yeah, but brother, the, the whole Saxon series there before Brothers of the Sword leads up to the Battle of Maldon, right? Which for people who don't, it's kind of this famous battle uh, fought on a, a, a tidal island called Maldon, which has kind of this this land bridge which disappears when the when the tide goes out, and kind of the the, the elder and their Burtnoth kind of is uh, always criticised throughout history for his hubris of the Vikings are trapped on this island and they challenge him, and he lets them cross and. Yeah, he gets he gets massacred, right? So the books are kind of a, a, a lead up to yeah. that big mistake there, Elderman. Yeah, um, really, really yeah. So the books lead up to that, but the Elderman isn't the main character. The main character is kind of different, different, but but part of that whole uh, part of that whole battle. What's that? Yeah, the legend. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, 
got a comic here that I bought a while ago. It was, I think it was um, like a, um, a Kickstarter thing. But anyway, it's a graphic novel, but it's um, it's called Defiant, and it's the legend of Brithnoth, and it's all about the Battle of Malden. And yeah, I actually talked in at the Essex Book Fair or Book Festival um, in the library in Malden, um, wow, way back when, and I didn't really know much, very much about it then. So I sort of made sure I learned a bit about it whilst there. Yeah, it, it's just as I just thought there was a good lead up to it, and um, there'd been years of peace there. The, the, the king before Ethelred the Unready had done a good job and Vikings had been quiet and all of a sudden then it kicks off again. Kicks off, for want of a better phrase. It's uh, a good lot, historical lot... phrase, aren't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's all kind that of leads up to that battle. But then in the years after that, so after Brothers of the Sword, then there'll probably be another three books in that series and then something new. But before that, I'll also self-publish another one of the Viking books, probably in June. Uh, right. I just haven't uh, I've got the pre-order for that set up yet. And then after that, maybe another series with, with, with Boldwood again, interspersed with kind of self-published books, you know. Busy, busy, anyway. Yeah, busy, like, like that. I think um, I think I, I like being busy, but I'm also mm. very much aware of what I said before about the frequency of releases. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I always feel like that the kind of... Uh, the fear of not hitting that. So I know like that I, I self-published a book there in February. So I'll try and get another one out for June. Well, that, that's unbelievable. That <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't know how you do it now. I mean, no. I, I was writing two books a year for a while, but uh, I can't, my brain's just full of mush. And just on yeah. the, you're saying that you want to keep on the crest of the wave. I completely agree with you, but I did have one point where I get an agent and he was trying to sell the Druid. So I never put a book out for, it was about two years because I was waiting for him to try and sell us. And I was really worried what would happen with us. But to be honest, it was fine. You know, I was thinking, oh no, there's not going to be any readers left anymore. They're all forgotten about me. But when it eventually came out, it did really well. And, you know, everything just carried on from there. So I wouldn't be too frightened about, you know, losing the momentum. I, I definitely agree with you, though. It's good for Amazon's algorithms and stuff, if you can, to keep on top of it. But... I think uh, a book a year for me and Matthew or every nine months or so is probably doable. It's just about doable. That's my yeah. new my new aim is so I've got three books in two years is my sort of was it yeah, you know, one book every yeah, eight months or something. Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah, my target. I think as 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 probably as uh, as cold and uninteresting as it probably sounds to people, you've also got the you've also got the business side of it as well though, right? Where you're trying to like what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is to maintain a level of income that I had in my uh, yeah, in my right. job. So I'm trying to make sure that my family's safe and that I that I've not completely put mm. their, their futures in jeopardy by jacking in my job so I can write books about swords and axes all day. So what what I'm trying to do is is keep keep going with that level of kind of velocity and make sure that the the income is either stays the same or exceeds where it was before. So, but to to, to achieve that. You know, so you have to sacrifice certain things. Like the the, the books I published through Bold would go through a significant higher level of editing than mm-hmm. my self publishing mm-hmm. books would. So with my self published books, I write it, um, I get a copy edit, and then a proofread on it. But do all that really quickly, and then and and then get it out. But the writing of it, I try I try and push for three thousand words a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, to try and keep up with that but I I listened to an interview once and I think it was Stephen King interviewing George R. Martin and 
it's the same conversation. And obviously George R. R. Martin takes an eternity to at least spoke <laughs> to Stephen King is fast, right? When Stephen King says to him, you know, there's books and there's books. So it's the same thing for me, right? It's I think with the self-published work, it's a bit more uh people want the people want books really and they, they want to keep reading them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, the real challenge is to try and keep getting three or four out a year and try and keep 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 readers happy while I can, while I have the ideas and keep it going that way. And if if you look at different models out there, you, you've you've got guys like Griff Hosker who's writing kind of yeah, short novels, think, yeah. but 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 releasing them quickly. Uh, so there's, there's there's different ways to look at it, right? As long as you're enjoying it, I think there's no right or wrong way. If if you like it, then carry on. Yeah, and one of the things I struggle with is I I, I hear you about the Griff Hosker thing, and that mm. makes perfect sense. And I and I, I often think, wouldn't it be great just to write a short. I don't know, like the like the Louis L'Amour sort of style length novels that I, I love. These sort of westerns are about probably like sixty thousand words mm-hmm. or 50, mm-hmm. 50, 60,000 words. They used to be all the rage, you know. Those sort yeah, of pulp the old fiction. Pulp or the yeah. um, uh, what's his name, Michael Moorcock. You know, the same sort of. Yeah, length. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. 30, I was just thinking that those the words. Elric of Melnibone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those they're tiny yeah. little books. Oh, and great books. He, he used yeah. to write those. I remember one time reading. He wrote. He wrote a trilogy. I think the Elric, one of the Elric ones, or one of his trilogy, the Eternal Hero, or whatever. Um, and they, he wrote a trilogy in nine days, um, <laughs> Michael Moorcock. And I, but, but they were each book was like about 30,000, 40,000 words. You think, well, okay, yeah. you could probably do that with the right drugs, fueling you, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, nine but, days. Um, I don't know, nine days for a trilogy. But I do think, though, wouldn't it be great? But my books always, they, they tend to always go longer than I anticipate. I always aim for 100,000 words and they, they stretch yeah. and. Yeah, I'm the same. So far, the longest one I've had is 160 something thousand words, and my wife just said to me, "Why don't you just split it into two? Yeah, and that's make two books out of it. Yeah, and, and if, I self, if I was self-published, I would have done. Mm-hmm. But the problem was is that we'd already released the blurb and everything through the publishers, and it was already on all the catalogs and everything. And it was talking about you know, and then Hunlaf is going to go to Norway and everything. And I was like, okay, well, halfway through the book, he hasn't even got to Norway. You know, I got to Norway at halfway through. I thought I can't stop now because I've told them that's yeah. going to be the whole story. But and, I, was and, um, I, would have, I would have done that. And do, do you guys kind of the, this whole plot of versus pants thing? Do you guys plan your novels out, or do you just fly by the seat of your pants? Well, this series I'm working on is about King Alfred, so yeah, I can. I don't have to really plot that much out. I can just go with his life. For the, but with the Druid books, no, I, I don't really plan it at all. No, I just let it. Maybe have a, an idea of a start and an end, something that might happen in the middle, and then just work from there. But no, I, I usually uh, just make it up as I go along. That's madness. <laughs> I, I I plot, I plot it, and um, even like over the Easter break, we just just come. You know, for this will come out in a few weeks' time, but we've just um, gone over the Easter break and had a few days off, and I was a bit stuck. I'm sort of halfway through. A novel I'm writing I was a little bit stuck I knew it wasn't quite working and we had a, a couple of hours drive and, uh, and I spoke to my wife on the way I sort of told her everything about the story basically used her as a sounding board had different you know she came back with some really valid great ideas she reads a lot she knows a lot of more probably read a lot more books than I have I'm sure and um, she had different ideas and I came back and um, at the beginning of this week I actually reorganized some of the chapter breakdown and added some new chapters and moved things around and it really helped actually and Hopefully it'll make the book you know a better thing. But you know, if I don't know where it's going next, then I get a bit twitchy and start knowing that it's sort of gone off the rails a bit. But um, uh, 
you know, a different how, plan. how do you work, Peter? I I plan as well, yeah. yeah. And I find that helps with the uh with with the speed. So I, I try and have like a a rough outline and then I do kind of a, a chapter by chapter. Uh, but w- w- that might just have a couple of lines for each chapter. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I like to know where it's going so that I can drop things in early that are going to come to pass later, you know, foreshadowing. Right. And I like to make sure I'm kind of following following a structure, whether yeah. it is kind of make sure there's three acts, make sure that things are happening in the right places. Because I made that mistake. The, the first book I wrote when I first wrote Viking Blood and Blade, it was way longer than the than the final version. And uh, back when I was trying to think about sending it to agents, I actually paid for a structural edit on it, uh, and I got the edit. And uh, it was through a, through a place called Jericho Writers. I don't know if you ever heard of that, where you can they can you can pay them and they'll edit you perform different editorial services. But anyway, lady kindly edited it and came back and kind of said it was a bit rubbish and everything was kind of happening. But I had no idea about story structure. So I just wrote it as I was thinking about, and then they go here and then they go there and then there's a fight and then there's this and then there's that, but it was kind of all over the place. And there was like four point of view characters in it and kind of head hopping and all that kind of thing. So that, that for me in those early days, it was kind of a revelation. And then I started yeah. reading about story structure and all the different things and the hero's journey and save the cat and all those different things that, that you need to be aware of. And that really then shaped how I write. So now I try and pick a structure before I start and stick to that and make mm-hmm. sure that it has the right, uh, but you know, like the movie kind of thing that it flows and things are happening yeah. where, where people expect them to. And that helps yeah. really yeah. to understand what, what you've got to write and, today. And I also yeah. try and finish the day in the middle of a chapter. Yeah. Well, I've started uh, doing that after Bernard Corn was Bernard said the same thing. I, I think. I think Giles Christian said it as well. Did didn't he? Oh. So maybe multiple people do it. Yeah. yeah. It's good find advice. That, find that easier, yeah. yeah we should that's start our own yeah. self-publishing, uh, so we self-publishing should. show, right? <laughs> yeah, we should. So that's, um, yeah, so it's funny because I usually, I try to to aim to end a story, um, you know, to end a chapter um, yeah. at the end of a writing day. Um, but obviously that doesn't always work. But I wonder if it, if it's if that's more difficult to then. It's pick just it up easier the to day. get back into it the next day because you're halfway. Mm-hmm. You know the mindset. Just you go back. Yeah, into and it. It, it, even when you're not doing it, even when you do, you're doing something else, then as the day progresses, you kind of mind's ticking yeah. over. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's next? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when you sit down that... the next day, you're kind of ready to go. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to try to implement that more in future. Uh, so just, yeah, we're probably coming. To... Yeah, we're close to, to very close to them, but I wanted time. to ask, ask you this because you mentioned they said kicking off, and it just made me think. I read one of your reviews where somebody complained about you using uh, modern language, and the, the the words that they picked out were ridiculous. It was stuff like daft, um, yeah. bleeding. You know, I don't know if you call someone a bleeding idiot or something. Yeah, but the, 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 none of them seemed very odd words for me to use in a historical novel, but I just wonder how do you look at reviews, bad or good, and things like that, that people are complaining about that seem a bit Yeah, I, I, I kind of read that one, and it, it's like, uh, it's funny because, like, the, the people expect you to, it would be written in Anglo-Saxon or... Or, or, and nobody or, would understand or, it. Yeah, but in my head, the, the, the characters have an accent. Mm-hmm. So even though the guy they're talking about was, was a Viking, in my head, he talks a bit like he's from... 
Leeds or Sheffield. <laughs> so he's like, you're bleeding. You know, he talks like that in my yeah, head. So that yeah. write it like that. But I don't really, I don't really, I, I do look at the reviews when a book first comes out because I want you to be anxious to make sure that the first three or four are, are, are positive. Yeah. Because I think it can hurt you if they're not. But broadly, I think you try and not let the good ones go to your head, but not let the bad ones shake you either and just try and stay even. I think with the, with the language and stuff, it's a really difficult one, right? Because you, 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 what you're trying to do is kind of spatter accuracy throughout it without being kind of, or certainly for me, without being forcing it down people's throats. Like what I yeah. want the book to be is an adventure with exactly. authenticity in there, but not, not, not at the sake of the adventure. So I wouldn't have the guys talking as they would have taught, spoken back then uh, because nobody would read it, right? Nobody like would understand you, it, no. Nobody would understand it. And it's like when you read books that, uh, you know, like you, you, when you read, if you're not from Scotland and you read Train Spotting, it's hard to read it and it's hard yeah. to yeah. understand what's going on. So what you want to do is, is put it in kind of, what's the right what's the right way to phrase it? It's kind of, you, you want it to sound in some way authentic, but, yeah. but equally I think it's okay to have like modern colloquialisms in there as long as it's not too. Yeah, completely agree. You know? I think we all have our sort of our own. I think the problem is is that every writer and every reader has their own sort of barometer of what is acceptable within within that sort of fake historical sounding stuff. And so, you know, you will align with many many readers, but there'll be the one guy who will read it and go, "Oh, you've to your barometer for what's right is totally yeah, it's off. completely wrong." You know, yeah. So yeah, so I, I, I don't that's... think the, the particular words that he'd picked out just never really. They never made much sense to me. The ones that he'd chosen I, 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 to, to complain there's about. Some, there's some interesting reviews out there. I mean, I got, yeah, you get all. I got one. Yeah, complaining that I mentioned the name of a, of a tree more than twice or something. You know, it's like yeah, Matthew loves. They go through trees. a bloody forest. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it's all it's it's funny with the Amazon reviews because it's like people feel che cheated sometimes, and they've paid like two quid. Or they, yeah. you know, they're or reading the book on Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. 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 You know, it's taking you months to write, to write this thing out and plan it. And it's like, uh, you know, I, I wish I could get a refund. And it's like, you can have one less tax if you want, mate. You yeah, know, exactly. That's, that's down, it. It's like, I, I, yeah. I would point out that was a good review. You know, the, yeah. the guy did leave you a good review. It was just that that particular bit stuck out. I mean, I thought I would need to ask you about it. Yeah, I, and you guys did a podcast on it, right? Yeah. And, and like that, I, I think with reviews, it's like I say, to try and uh, it's like when you're looking at data, you know, when you when you're looking at any kind of reports, it's like ignore the kind of top percentage and ignore right. the bottom percentage and take and take yeah, what's in the middle. And that, that, yeah, that gives you a good barometer then of what the kind of feedback on the yeah. on the book is. But hopefully, with the stuff that that we write, like your people are entertained and. Bit like us when you when you read a book or watch a movie or a TV show, you, at a, a real basic level, you want to be taken away into a different world and entertained, mm -hmm. right? So that's kind of what I'm yeah, what I'm aiming it, for. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to some kind of historical treaty on ancient, uh, you know, on Anglo-Saxon language, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've we've covered pretty much um, most of the questions that we were going to ask. And yeah, we've, we've got some left, but we'll see if we've covered. Save, yeah, them, save them for the next day. time you win an award, making us <laughs> jealous. Um, so we'll move on to our final um, slot where we ask um, each of our guests the um, the same questions every episode. 
Um, so the first one is, um, what have you been reading and um, watching this last week? Yeah, so I'm reading, uh, I've just reread the Robert Lowe kind of Viking series. Okay. And I'm on the last book now. So I'm kind of towards the end of Crowbone, which is like his... his talking of reviews, Bone. I just have to interrupt here and just say talking of reviews, I remember reading a review of Crowbone when it came out. Somebody called it Crap Bone. That was <laughs> speech. I read that review that was, actually that two was, days uh, ago was, or something just by yeah. chance. Yeah. There you go. That's a good one to remember for maybe you're writing soothing him in the future, you know, like Dexter <laughs> crap bone or something like that, you know. For a but you heard it here first, Dexter yeah. crap bone and his fantasy novels. Yeah. I, I, I don't, is it good that one, Peter? Because I remember enjoying the first few, but I, I'm yeah. not so sure about that one. If I was being harsh, the first two in the series are good and then they kind of tail off right. and the crowbone one is a little bit, all over the but it's not the same as the mm. like the, the first two books in that so i can't remember what way around they are like uh like whale road yeah, yeah something else. Brow like, beast. Like, yeah like you're talking about authenticity there like the way he has the characters talk and the way he describes their world is unbelievable so i really enjoy those but like you, you can clearly see that robert when he wrote it took time to think about the themes and the the way he was going to write it and make that world and you, you know it's gritty and it and it feels real so they're, they're good stories crowbone probably isn't at the same level uh but you know you see i'm rereading the whole series so i thought i might as well finish it and then uh on audio book then i'm kind of reading i'm reading uh the children of, of ash and elm i don't know if you guys came across oh, yeah. that one before that. i've yeah. seen it i've seen it on book. twitter i think i don't yeah it's good yeah about it. by uh, neil N- neil price and there's some really uh, more for research, but there's some really rich stuff in there. Like he goes into a lot of detail about arche- Viking archaeology, and he worked you know, like on the, rock- the Northman, the movie The Northman. He worked as a consultant. Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think I've actually been reading that. You know, I'm thinking in my head this is a fantasy novel, but is it about the Vikings? Yeah. yeah. It, oh, yeah, yeah I have been reading that. It's <laughs> really good. It's a, it's a non-fiction book, and he goes into. Uh, a lot of great detail, like about the way, you know, a hall was constructed and finds that they've had like this one passage where he talks about this kind of Viking hall and in the hallway leading up to the main hall, there's kind of spikes coming out of the wall and kind of iron whirls on it. And it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a really good, really good detailed kind of research book. I have. Yeah, I have read that. That's very good. OK. And so what, what have you been watching as well? Oh, watching yeah. like t- like tv i'm a big kind of movie and tv guy so i kind of finished the last of us when that was on recently that 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 was brilliant uh but i'm kind of making my way through now um do you see did you watch yellowstone did you see that the kind of what west like the modern day i haven't west- i've been watching yeah, the prequels yeah actually i've watched 1883 and i've watched um i'm watching 1923 at the moment as well yeah so i watched that watched the yellowstone then watched those two and then i've the guy i can't the guy's name is completely got out of my head now he writes writes those tv oh um god now you've you've done it to me he writes all of taylor sheridan yes that's it so what he seems to have a really good handle on is finding the kind of maximum you know like in your books you're looking for conflict He's really good at finding like the maximum level of, of conflict right. for his characters. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes wrong all the oh, time for everybody. And if, you, if you've not watched Yellowstone, watch it, right? But I, I, then I watched 1883, then the 1920s one. And yeah, now 1883, I, I thought, was starting off 
quite weak. I didn't, I mean, it's the first, I, I, I don't think I'd seen any Yellowstone, maybe one episode at the beginning. And um, I watched it and I thought, oh, I don't know. And then it's then it sort of really picked up and I really enjoyed it. And then towards the very end, I started to get a bit fed up with it. But, um, it, it you know, it's 10 episodes. And I'd say probably there's yeah. a good solid seven episodes in the middle that I really, really enjoyed. And Yeah, it's, but, it's um, good. The voiceover stuff is kind of a bit... It's a bit weird. That. Yeah, and yeah. it does... Yeah, that annoyed me. And then she, it got the same voiceover in 1923. Yeah. I, I didn't she, think 1923 was as good as the... Uh, it's not cap, It's not made me uh, binge watch it in the same way. No, I've been sort of stuck the, the on whole, three the, episodes. For yeah, the, the subplot now. about the guy in Africa just takes away from it, right? It's... Well, I think you it's want to coming... see Harrison Ford on the ranch, don't you? You don't want to see. Yeah, I don't know. See... I was almost the other way around. I was yeah. almost like I was, I was almost bored with with the ranch stuff, and it just it, it split when you split a storyline yeah. across two continents and two different sets of people. You've got to have some really strong you stories do. and characters to keep it keep you interested in both. So I, you know, either way, yeah. it's difficult. But I've been, kind of been consuming his stuff, so I watched Tulsa King as well, like he did with Stallone okay. in recently. And I've just now finished Mayor of Kingstown. Is he right there as well? Yeah. Yeah. He must that, write. He must be just incredible speed yeah. of writing. He must be like you. He must be writing yeah, you know, thinking, a, a series every week or something. He must be. <laughs> but Tulsa King was okay, but Mayor of Kingstown is really good. It's got Jeremy Renner in it. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of set in, the, in this town in America where the only thing it's known for is having these prisons in it. So it's got a lot of. So he's kind of this go between between the prison guards and criminals and there's all kinds of stories coming out of that but 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 that was good uh, but i really enjoyed the last of us that that, that was pretty good yeah, uh, last yeah great. and then I'm, I'm making my way through all the the taylor sheridan stuff wow okay last question or two-part question what have you been listening to and do you listen to music when you write i do yeah so i do like um this is probably really geeky, right? So we, this may be a section that you you edit out later, but it's uh, what I what I do, what I do when I'm I writing is no, yeah, they're definitely not coming <laughs> out. Is I do like a playlist for the book. So like for the for the Anglo-Saxon ones that that I wrote for Boldwood, the theme of those books is kind of uh, you know vengeance, and they get the main character is kind of dark. So in that, it's like you know, Batman soundtracks and stuff like mm -hmm. that to really kind of get you in the mood. Whereas for the Viking Blood and Blade series, they're a little bit lighter in tone. So I'd, I'd have playlists there with more kind of the, you know, soundtracks from adventure type movies. And then, uh, and I listen to them kind of on, on playback then while I'm writing, definitely. Yeah. And then for kind of non-writing listening, it's a cliche from where I'm from in the Northwest. I'm a big kind of nineties indie music Fan, you know so i'd kind of have spotify playlists of 90s you know embrace Storm and roses, and, stuff Storm like roses and all that kind of stuff and uh, I, I still enjoy all that kind of music yeah the verve richard ashcroft all that right cool nice yeah i was actually listening to, um to today to the last of us soundtrack um as my writing background today and yesterday because i heard Craig Mason, the writer on his podcast, and he mentioned that it was good. And I thought, well, he, and he said, well, I would say that, wouldn't I? It was, like, you know, it was my series. But the music is great. It's really good sort of writing music, very sort of peaceful, but yeah, fills up enough sonic stuff that it doesn't, I don't know, you're not listening to other things, but it's sort of yeah, melodic. Like, but, do, do you guys yeah. find that, that the music helps you kind of get into the into the zone absolutely or? yeah definitely yeah yeah, yeah. It just, it, I, it's another barrier between you and the outside world, doesn't it? Yeah, 
I did um yesterday there was a, a massive thunderstorm here and I saw at one point stopped to listen to the thunder and lightning and all the hail coming down. Yeah, that's and good. it reminded me that when I was writing I think it was Cross the Cross and the Curse. When I was writing that, I, I listened to lots of um thunderstorms on Audible or, or or whatever on YouTube, whatever you could you could get just, you know, these three hours of a thunderstorm or whatever. But your wife's walking listen... by the room going, What the hell is he doing? I have my headphones on and it's just <laughs> but it's just like white noise. It's just like sound of the rain coming down. But every now and again you get get this thunder yeah. and lightning in the distance, yeah. wind whistling stuff. But in the end, that book, I think I've got like three thunderstorms in the book you know it sort of started leaking out into the writing carried away with it hey-ho it's all good <laughs> yeah i think it's probably the genre we're in as well you, you kind of ne- you need to get out of your day-to-day head don't you and i think yeah, the like modern world, yeah yeah i think if you were writing like a modern day thriller or something you know you, you may not listen to music like that but i definitely find like the soundtracks and stuff kind of helps me to yeah yeah, definitely. It did get, get you in this sort of the right mood. In fact, I, I switched to the Last of Us thing because the stuff I was listening to was too um, too dynamic at the point of book that I was writing. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, it was a, it was a late night sitting around a, a lamp talking over a table, a cup of tea, sort of thing. And I had this sort of dun, 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 sort of action and adventure music, and it wasn't really wasn't working, you know. But the Last of Us is quite calm and quiet yeah. music, which was much better for getting me in the, the right zone for writing the it's scene. such a great such a great show that right it was really mm. kind of well written and uh brilliant enjoyed really it really good yeah me too well i think that's it we're going to leave you to go off and do lots more writing you've written another book by tea time yeah but uh <laughs> whole series <laughs> best of best, yeah whole series yeah well, best of luck for the future um peter and um yeah, hopefully we'll get you on again in a year or two and you can tell us about the 20 or 30 books that you've written in the meantime. <laughs> Probably slowed down rapidly by then and it'll be like... Made up with it. What, one every two years, you know. So as long as you're still enjoying it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. Thank you very well, much. Thank you, Peter. Cheers. Oh, that's all right. That's it for today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please take a moment to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And don't forget to subscribe. Let us know if you have any questions or things you would like us to cover in future episodes. We're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash rock, paper, swords podcast and Twitter at rock underscore swords. You can find out more about our books on matthewharfey.com and stephenamackay.com. The theme music is written and performed and copyrighted by us. Until next time on Rock, Paper, Swords, it's goodbye from me, Matthew Harfey. It's goodbye from me, Stephen A. Mackay. And remember, whatever action and adventure you have going on in your life, be kind. Stay safe. And happy reading. (laughs) 